are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering online. Please go to www.hopechurchguildford.com for more details. We look forward to getting to know you. Just want to welcome you all and uh, yeah, wish you a good morning. Uh, welcome you along with Marissa uh, to Hope Church. My name's Chris and uh, I'm uh, super excited because today I'm going to be getting in the car and driving Paul and Joe to the airport uh, along with Colin, another member of our church, uh, as we start this adventure of church planting. And I want to thank you everyone who has just been part of this journey in prayer and in, in giving and finances and support and sending their love and blessing to Paul and Joe. I know they really, really value it. And it's a real key moment in the life of any church when it plants another church and this is you know another one of those key steps uh, being taken uh, on the journey to, to us doing that so do uh, you know do keep them in your prayers and your thoughts and your hearts as uh, as they embark on this amazing journey and uh, we'll be praying for them actually tonight at half past seven um, get in touch if you want the details for that it'll be on zoom um, and uh, yeah I'm looking forward to that and it's good to come together, it's good to worship, it's good to be a church family together. And over this next half an hour or so, I'm just going to be sharing from the book of Acts. You know, I loved going through the last series, which we finished last week in the book of Genesis, which we called a blueprint for life. And we really, that's what, uh, that's what it looked like, the origins of everything that we see in life and how God has brought it all to, to be. And today we're going to be looking... Uh, and diving into the first eight chapters of Acts over these next sort of eight or nine weeks. Today we're going to be in chapter one and really this is kind of like a blueprint for the church and what the church was like, that very first church was like back then and what, it, what we expect our church to therefore be like now. You know, I, I do love our church and so it's important for us to, to delve into what the church should look like. And, and when I say that I love our church, I don't mean that I love the Royal Grammar School where we meet, though it's lovely, or that I love our meetings, though they're great. No, I love Hope Church. I love all the people that make up Hope Church. You, I love you. And I love every one of us. And, and I love the fact that we're all on different stages of a journey of faith. We're all tackling different issues. We're all uh, um, just have different interests and backgrounds and intrigues. But we're all united by God's love together for us. Uh, whether we even know it or not yet, actually, we are united by God's love. And so I'm really looking forward to gathering together on Sunday, the 18th of July. So it's going to be our away day. and It's going to be great fun to have a Sunday morning service, to have a hog roast, to, to hang out in the afternoon. And um, if you're, uh, you probably picked up the news already through our blog or through the vision night or through the newsletter that's come out. But just in case you haven't yet heard the news of that day, do stick it in your diary. It's July the 18th. It's on a Sunday. We'll, we'll put aside the whole day to hang out together and connect and um, have have great fun. And, and you can come to as much or as little as you feel comfortable with. Um, but it's a, it'll be a good day to, to get to. And I think it's just good to, as we embark on this new series, to recognise that it's, it has been a tough year. It's not been the easiest. And it's not been the easiest for all sorts of reasons. And certainly our connection with church and the people of God has has been impacted 
And uh, we've, we've found it all too easy for church to become, you know, even before the pandemic, for church to become about the meetings or the venue or the name or the event or the leaders or, you know, now the YouTube channel at 10 a.m. and not much else. And it's why it's really important uh, that as an eldership team, we felt that it was right to go back to the roots of what does it mean to be church? What has God called us to build here in Guildford in 2021 together? And so we decided that we'd go back to the first church, which we find in Acts, and we would have a look at what they did, what was on the forefront of their agenda, what did church look like for them, and therefore what should it mean for us? So whilst the book of Acts can go by many like names, like the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit, which are all true, we've called our series the Acts of the Church, because we're going to specifically focus on what the people of God were doing And quite quickly, we will see over these next eight chapters, them being devoted to prayer, to the gifts of the spirit, to serving one another, to giving and sharing. They're committed to baptism. They're committed to taking communion together. They're committed to the apostles teaching and the word of God. They're committed to serving the poor. Ultimately, they're committed to God, to following him, to trusting him, father, son and spirit. And that's really where we're starting today. And so I've entitled today's talk only by the spirit if hope church is going to look like the first church then everything we do it all starts and is only by the holy spirit so what i'll do and so you know what's going to happen over this this next few minutes is that um, i'm going to give a bit of context and we're going to put out three p's uh, that come out of the passage but just before we get there before we read uh, the chapter And before I give you the context, let me just ask you a question. And that question is this. What do you think of the church? Honestly, what what do you think of the church? When you think about church, what do you think of it? Do you ever look at the church and think, really? It's It's a bit naff, you know. Will it really succeed? Maybe you've been looking in and we all look a bit unimpressive, a bit average. Perhaps you've been to various different meetings in the past or you've watched online and you thought, well, it's okay, but it's, it's not much, really. Maybe you look at the state of the church in the UK and across the nation and, you know, overall it has diminishing numbers and you can think, well, th- will this thing really survive? Surely it's not long till it's just kind of a dead old relic in, from a bygone era. Well, we're perhaps... Um, in not to a dissimilar state than the early church in Acts. Now, um, I love football leaders. You know, uh, I love people like Alex Ferguson and Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp. These are all great managers that fascinate me. And these guys are heralded for transforming players and teams into world beaters, dominating English and European football. They're great at strategy and man managers. They're great organisers and leaders. They turn average players into world-class athletes and they'll go down in history as some of the best managers of all times. And sometimes we can think that about the early church leaders. We can think about that as Peter and Paul and James and John and think, wow, if we had these guys with us, then this would be amazing. It would be unstoppable. The the church will go from strength to strength. And yet Luke, in both his books, takes the time to remind us that the early church leaders, known as the apostles, were far from this. 
for all intents and purposes, we arrive at the beginning of Acts and the early church with a fairly damp squid. Though Jesus had appeared to hundreds of people after his resurrection, there's only 120 gathering together to pray, similar to us before the pandemic. There's only that 120 had kind of really believed and trusted and was seeking him for the future. Only one of his disciples uh, was present at his crucifixion. Peter, who had been real close to him, had denied him three times and, and gone off. After Jesus had died, many had gone back to their day jobs and, you know, they were fishing. In fact, after Jesus was resurrected, he goes and he finds them at the beach and he sits on the beach and cooks them breakfast and, and they come in. Even in the chapter that we're about to read, they still don't get Jesus' purposes and they ask him if now is the time uh, for some kind of military takeover campaign against the Romans, which is why he, he was returning. You know, it took Peter another 12 years and a rebuke by Paul in Galatians chapter 2 to really get that God wants people who aren't Jewish also to believe in him and to know the scriptures, like people like me and you, most likely. Thomas, one of the other apostles, doesn't even believe the others when they say that Jesus is alive. And Jesus finds them all locked in an upper room, fearful of death from the outside authorities, literally in kind of lockdown because they were scared and nervous. The church back then, it didn't look like much. Um, and it didn't have outstanding leaders like Sir Alex. But against all odds, the Christian church didn't die, but it spread like wildfire across the world and even to, to Britain, to the UK today. In the same way today, Christianity can look like it's on the brink. To those who don't believe, it can even seem laughable that an old few rabble still hang on to its books and traditions. To those that do believe, God's mission can look unattainable and, and overwhelming, yet this book acts it's a wonderful reminder that God is able, through the power of his Holy Spirit, to use a bunch of ordinary people like you and me for his extraordinary purposes. It's only by his Holy Spirit. though. So let me give you a bit of context. Acts is written by Luke, who is a physician, and he's very meticulous about gaining eyewitness accounts, making sure that all his information is accurate and well-researched and well-laid out. In fact, he uses the best Greek in the whole of the New Testament, actually. It's on par with people like Thucydides and Herodotus, if you know your kind of Greek history. Acts is the second of his books. He first wrote a gospel, which is also called by his name, called Luke. And uh, Luke is more like a biography about Jesus' life, whereas Acts is more about what Jesus now does through the church and through the power of his Holy Spirit. Luke kind of dedicates both of his books, both Acts and Luke, to someone he calls Theophilus. And we're not sure exactly who that person is. Some people think that he's just uh, another believer that Luke is kind of noting all this down for so that that would help him to understand all that kind of God has been doing in this time. Theophilus means friend of God. So others think that, well, it could be anyone who's just a friend of God and um, anyone who calls themselves that this is like for them. 
There's also evidence out there that Theophilus was the name of the judge at Paul's trial in Rome, which happens towards the end of Acts, and that Luke wrote this two-volume detailed account to show the judge how Paul came to be in prison in the first place and give an account for all that he'd done. And there's some merit in that, especially because large parts of, of Acts is kind of dedicated to Paul's ministry and what Paul did and how he went about it, and not so much the other apostles. And also, it was common for a judge to be referred to as most excellent friend of God. And so uh, in Luke's, in, in the Gospel of Luke, Luke says, um, talks about how this is dedicated to the most excellent Theophilus, which is most excellent friend of God. And so it kind of fits that. We don't really know, but either way, I'm so pleased that Dr. Luke took the time to write both his gospel and the book of Acts because it's so helpful for us today and I'm delighted that we get to get stuck into this account. So let's read chapter one and uh, you can read along with me, it'll be on the screen too. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. And that's important because Luke is saying that in, in the gospel, that's all that Jesus began to do, but he's got much more. He's, he's continuing his mission. That's why he's writing Acts. After his suffering, Jesus, he presented himself to them and he gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. This is all that Jesus did. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this commandment. And Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? It's that ridiculous question. It's like, Lord, at this time, are you going to bring a big military campaign and overthrow the Romans? And Jesus says to them, no, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. It's like Jerusalem is like their town and Judea and Samaria is their region and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. These are angels, right? Men of Galilee, they say. What, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you've seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. It was a Sabbath day's walk from the city. That word, a Sabbath day walk, is not, it's not like it took him a whole day to walk. It's just that on the Sabbath, you were only allowed to walk a certain distance. It was about one to two kilometres. And so when it says it's a Sabbath day walk, he's just saying it was, a walk, it was a short walk within the bounds of which what you were allowed to do on the Sabbath day. So they took a short walk from the city and when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present, it was the 11 disciples left after Judas Iscariot had betrayed him. It was Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip. Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. That's a different Judas. They all joined together constantly in prayer. 
along with the women, the Mary and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with Jesus' brothers. It's a, an amazing passage. And so from you know, being a right old bunch of men and women, some were educated, some were not, some were wealthy, some were poor. Um, but these 120 people, Jesus chose to transform the rest of the world and to kick off his church and, and his mission. And there's, there's three P's I, I want to pull out for us today. And that is promise, power and prayer. So the first one is promise. We're going to talk about promise. And the most consistent promise throughout the whole Bible is that God will be with his people. It's what uh, Rad was singing about earlier. I'm for you. I'm with you. And we know, you know, we've just been through Genesis, haven't we? And we know that Adam walk, uh, God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. God put a seal on Cain and was with him. God shut in Noah and was with him and protected him. God was with Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and, and Moses as he goes to speak to Pharaoh. And he's with David and Daniel. He's with Ruth and, and Esther as Esther goes and speaks to the, to the king. And, and, he, and then the angels appear to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, and, they, and, they, and they affirmed to him that she is favoured and, and God is with her and she doesn't need to be fearful and, and Jesus says to the disciples hey go into all the world you know I give you all authority and I'm surely with you to the very end of the age which is in Matthew 28 and this promise that has been promised over and over and over again through the Holy Spirit that God will be with his people Jesus says hey you need to wait for it wait for the gift I have promise. John, he baptised with water, but in a few days time, the Holy Spirit is going to come and fill you. Jesus, he's spoken about his authority and his commands to go and his promises that he will be with them and that he will send them his spirit so that they can know him and feel him and trust him and obey him and be obedient to him. You know, being filled with the spirit is not an optional extra to being a Christian. Actually, it's really what it means to know God because we are made alive by his spirit this the spirit who turns a valley of dry bones into a mighty army he is the one who fills from within and makes us alive with Christ and he seals us with a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance that's what the spirit does and some people they look at the Christian faith and think well I could never do that or live like that or follow that or trust the bible yeah but the fact is that no one can not until you know God in your heart in your soul in your being that's what the Spirit does. He reveals Jesus to people and makes them alive and able to be obedient to God, to follow him, to trust him. And so Jesus says, hey, I've got loads for you guys to do. There's much to get on. There's a big mission ahead, but you need to wait because you need the Spirit to do it. You know, it's so hard, isn't it, to wait. Waiting is just like the worst, isn't it? You know, we're just not used to it. I, I used to wait when I was younger for all sorts of things. Used to wait for the modem to dial up. You know, if you're older, you would have you know the pain of waiting for that. You used to have to wait for the computer to turn on. You press a button and come back five minutes later, and hopefully it started up. Used to I don't know when I was a kid, I used to wait for the bus. I used to wait a week for my favourite TV program to turn on. I'd wait sitting by the radio with a tape deck, waiting for my favourite song, and then ready to hit record when as soon as it comes on. And if I was out of the room, you're like, no, I missed the beginning of the song. We used to wait at, for the shops to open to be able to buy something, but now we don't have to wait for anything. Music when we want it, TV when we want it, 
shopping, just at a click of a button, internet whenever we want it, even when we're out and about, we've got 4G, we can news, you don't have to wait till 10 o'clock anymore for the news, you can have it whenever you like, and okay, you still have to wait for the bus, but even then you get the little countdown timer letting you know that, you know, how far it's going to be. You know, it can be the same when we come to church, it can be, you know, we turn up and the first song's on and maybe it's a bit naff, maybe they're out of tune and and the meeting leader, oh, they didn't pray. The meeting leader forgot to pray. I can't believe they didn't pray. They normally pray before we do a song, but they didn't pray. And, and we, these things distract us. And, you know, they forgot to send the kids out. We're on the fourth song and they haven't sent the kids out. What's going on? And, you know, we're going to be sitting there and you're singing the song and the words are on the screen, but the projector guys forgot to click the words. And you're thinking, what on earth's going on? I don't know what I'm meant to be singing. And everyone's looking at the projector guy. And so you went to click. And, you know, all these things... Um, the awkward silences, the not feeling the song, the, the perhaps we're getting tired and then you do the kind of holy sit down and you just kind of close your eyes and you get to rest your legs. And then the meeting leader says, oh no, you've got to stand up now because we're going to pray for that thing. Oh, I just sat down. All these things can go on in our minds and they distract us from waiting on God. And we want, we want God to move, but it's just so easy to get distracted and not just to stop and to wait. I mean, one of my fears now, though, is not that people are growing impatient, waiting for God's spirit to break out, but they've stopped believing that he might break out at all. They've actually grown happy with just having safe church, that we just turn up, have five songs, a bit of a prayer, a good sermon. If it's got one or two laughs in it, then that's great. But then back home till the next Sunday. What does waiting on the promise of God look like for us? I believe it's an eager desire to see God break through, not just eager for a few minutes on a Sunday, but hungry for God throughout the week, Monday to Sunday, you know, our waking moments, praying and seeking him. You know, the word waiting and prayer is actually very similar. And so even though Jesus had met with, you know, up to 500 people at one point, we, we read in the Gospels, here there's only 120 but these 120, they're eager, they're waiting, they're seeking, they're, they're praying to, to be obedient to God, to see him break through. The Bible says those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. You know, I reckon that waiting is that's, that's praying. That's praying God's promises. That's saying, God, we believe that you are here, that you're with us, that you promise that you will pour out your spirit. And we are trusting that you will be faithful to your promises. You promised it, Lord, so come and do it. I wonder, how is your waiting on the promised Holy Spirit? What is your expectation levels like when you gather in your, your home group, on a church on a Sunday, when you're at home with your family praying? How are you doing at trusting that God is able to renew you by the power of his Spirit? How are you doing at believing that God has a purpose for his church today and that includes you? How are you doing at seeking and believing that God is able to, to fill you with his power and his presence? Do you believe that he is with you and he is for you? I, just, I find it so interesting that he tells them to wait. And the, the very next verse, the first thing they do is ask, is it time yet? That's what my kids do in the, in the car. Are we there yet? Is it time yet? Is, you know, is is it time that we can watch TV now? That's the very first question they ask. Is, is it now? Is your timing now? Are you now going to come and overthrow and, and bring your kingdom? That's what the disciples ask. You know, it's so easy 
um, to kind of to allow our lack of waiting, our distraction to lead to the wrong questions and to our agenda. That's what happens with the disciples rather than God's agenda. It's so easy for, for the stuff of life to get in the way. And sometimes we need to stop striving and just start following. It's not our plans, Lord, but it's your plans. His presence with you is a gift that he promises. And we need to believe, don't we? We need to believe that this promised gift is something that we can call on God for and we seek him for and we're eager for it for. And it's important to recognise that it's a gift. It's not a reward that you earn. It's a gift, freely given by God. And so I wonder, where are you struggling to believe that you can, that he can fill you with his spirit? What lies have you swallowed where you've kind of felt that, well, you're not good enough, you're not holy enough, you're not worthy enough, you're not righteous enough, you're not Christian enough for God to meet with you with his, in his power and his presence. Jesus says, no, come and wait for the gift that my father has promised. You know, so when we gather in our homes, when we pray, when we seek God, we, we learn to wait for him and we gather together. And when we do that again, when we gather together again, do you know it's okay for us to wait on God, to pray, to seek him, not, not to hype things up or to get too busy doing this or that, but to spend time seeking God and worshiping him, worshiping him and letting him fill us with his presence. So why it's going to be really important as we gather back together again, that we take time, that we, we have time to worship and to praise him and to just spend time in his presence and allow him to fill us before we get busy with all our, our plans and, and the things that are great, they're good stuff, but it's important that we take time to do that. And we'll do that. We'll do that every Sunday. We'll do that on the 18th of July. Just take time to allow God to speak through his spirit. Just as Jesus began his work on this earth, he continues through the power of the Holy Spirit through his church today. So that was um, promise you know let's believe in his promises that he will give us this gift of the holy spirit as we come in as we gather again as we're in our homes but as we uh, get ready to gather again together and the second thing is power when the holy spirit comes on you he says you will receive power and you will be my witnesses in your town in your regions and to the ends of the earth you know we heard last week about power didn't we Phil did a great talk about power and 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 how you know what happens when we abuse it but what happens when we use it rightly and here is another great example of what happens when God clothes us with his, with his power he transforms the world through us Luke takes the time doesn't he to remind us that God's followers can do nothing without Holy Spirit they would be useless but God had a promise to fulfill and he was going to do that by clothing them with power the power of the holy spirit power from on high not clothing them with clever words or phrases or or might but by his spirit these ordinary people doing extraordinary things what i find really interesting is that the holy spirit fills them with power but the filling of the spirit wasn't just to have a great worship session but it was for a purpose it was to be his witnesses it says you will receive power when the spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth you know throughout acts the spirit comes on people and they step out 
in God. The Spirit comes and then action happens. In Acts 2, the Spirit comes on Peter and he preaches and 3,000 people are saved. In Acts 3, the Spirit comes and uh, we see the healing of a lame beggar. In Acts 4, the Spirit comes and, and they preach to the Sanhedrin. In Acts, uh, the end of Acts 4, the Spirit comes and, the, and they pray for boldness to speak out. And again, the, the, this is, the Spirit comes and they're speaking. In Acts 5, the Spirit comes and the apostles hear heal wherever we see the spirit at work and being poured out there is a people then proclaiming and preaching the good news the spirit is poured out that you might be his witnesses in power to the ends of the earth so what does it mean to kind of be a witness well I always find that the courtroom scene a great analogy to help us with this. You know you've got the judge who kind of sits and he weighs up all the evidence. You've got the jury who they look at both sides of the arguments and they, they have to decide well, where they're going to go with. But then you've got the witnesses. And all the witnesses job is to do is to say what they've seen and what they've heard. They're not meant to know all the answers. They're not meant to pronounce the judgments. They're not meant to know every technical point, theory or argument. No, you know, some people know their stuff. Some people know those things and that's great, but everyone can be a witness. A witness just shares what they've seen, heard and experienced. You know, they might have exhibits. Oh, this is exhibit A. This is what my life was like, but, but now it's like this. And when they share with their friends, they say, do you know what? I... I used to sin, but I found forgiveness in God. And you know what? And I still now I mess up sometimes, but knowing that I can pray and receive forgiveness is amazing. And you can know this too. You know, God, he loves everyone. And, you know, he can love you too. We can, we can share lots of different things about what we have experienced to others. That's, in fact, all a witness is called to do. Hey, you know, what I do in these times is I pray and God gives me peace. Would you like me to pray for you? Or, yeah, you're right, I used to really struggle with that bad habit as well. But you know what? God has helped me and he can help you too. God has given us his plan for how he will transform the world. And it's through people like you and me, filled with the power of his Holy Spirit to be witnesses. And that's important because it doesn't say filled with power to do witnessing, but to be his witnesses. Witnessing is not just something that you can just do. But it's who we are. You can't just choose to rock up to any court of any law, uh, any law courts, and just decide that you're going to go in and be a witness in a trial. You are only a witness if you have seen and heard and experienced something. And so the question is, have you? Do you know God's love? Have you experienced his spirit? Have you been filled with him? Because And if you... If you haven't, or even if you have, we need to continue to pray for it, to seek him, to ask him. And don't give up, but wait for him. You know, I mentioned earlier about football, but for all athletes, they have two key elements. They have diet and exercise. Some athletes, you know what, they will eat 5,000 calories of food a day to give them energy to then train and work out. But the, the reality is that if they don't exercise and they just continue eating the 5,000 cal cal 5, calories a day then they get fat and it's a pretty grim sight. You know, you see many boxers, for example, who, who eat all those calories and then they stop fighting and then suddenly they bloom. But equally, if you don't eat the food and you exercise, and then what happens is you become very tired and weak and slow. Athletes need both the intake and the action working together, a good diet and good exercise. 
You know, in the same way, we need intake and action, power and witness. If we just go from meeting to meeting like a spiritual junkie and never put our faith into action, then we just become fat and bloated Christians. You know, and we're asking for, for more when we're still full from our last meal. And we don't want that. That's not healthy. Equally, if we just witness and serve and share and give without ever pausing to wait on God and worshiping him and, and speaking to him, then we become burnt out, tired, weary, cynical and dejected. And you can't do it in your own strength. And if you do, it will just have no power and you'll be a witness to kind of dark, dry, duty, dead religion rather than life-giving, grace-giving, peace-receiving, joyous life to the full. We need to wait for the Holy Spirit to be, and, and when we receive the Spirit, we need, we're called to then be witnesses. We, we, we need the intake, and then we need the action. Both work hand in hand, just like they do for an athlete. Ultimately, the way to be a witness is to be in love with Jesus, to live for him, to love him, to enjoy him, to trust him, to obey him, to explore him, and then to share all that we've seen and experienced and heard with others. But first, we need to be filled with the gift of the promise that was given through the Spirit. You know, I expect as we uh, pray, as we seek God in this season, as we get ready to come back together and to meet together again at the end of June, that God will fill us with his Spirit and that we will have a renewed strength and passion and desire to share with others what we have received. That God will use us, as he has done throughout the pandemic, to be his witnesses in Guildford for his glory. And that might make you feel a bit nervous. But the good news is, is that the apostles are just like us. You know, they were hesitant to share their faith. Just think about Peter. He was hesitant to share with the Gentiles. He wasn't sure that they would receive God, that they would receive his message. He thought he might be rejected. And if you feel nervous, then you're in great company. Because we're all ordinary people, but we have an extraordinary God. So where are you struggling? It's a good question. Where are you struggling to see God's power? I asked before, where are you struggling to kind of see his his promises or to, to trust in his promises. Now, where are you struggling to receive his power? Where are you de dejected? Where have you lost hope? Where are you fearful or weak? Are you seeking God for his power for something other than witnessing? And if so, what is it? Do some of our values need to realign? So that, that's power. Right? Promise, power. And let's talk about prayer says in verse 14, they all join together, all join together constantly in prayer. It was, it was the disciples, it was the women, we know Jesus' mother and his brothers were there. And you know, sometimes it's easy to think that being filled with the Holy Spirit is just for a special few. It's for the ones that are the holy ones, the ones that haven't sinned, the ones who sit down the front, the ones who look the part. And maybe it's just for the leaders, it's for the dot, dot, dot. But do you know what? It's a gift and it's a promise from God and it's for all. Joel 2 says that in those days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those days and they will prophesy. And in our passage, it says, hey, they're all joining together constantly in prayer in the next chapter chapter two we see that they're all filled with the with god's promised holy spirit and they go out and witness and share the good news you know it started though 
with them all joining together in prayer. You know, we live in a very individualistic society where most prayer books focus on private prayer and what you need to do in the quiet in your bedroom on your own. But other than Jesus, pretty much everywhere else in the New Testament, when people pray, they're praying with others. They're praying together. Have you, have you noticed that? That throughout Acts, throughout the New Testament, throughout the churches, we see people actually praying together. It's good to pray alone, absolutely. But it's also so good and right for us to pray together and to see that as the norm. Because when we pray together, we gain a much bigger perspective of what God is doing and what he is saying amongst us. And so I love it when I see someone who's been a Christian for like 50 years praying because you gain wisdom and insight into the kind of things that they're praying for. I just as much love it when I see someone who's just come to faith praying because you just get excited for what God is saying and doing in them and through them. And you get different perspectives. And as people pray for different needs, it puts your own needs in perspective. And some people pray for boldness for the spirit to come and others pray for courage to speak out. And do you know what helps to keep those two things, you know, the diet and the exercise, the, the, the filling of the spirit and the witnessing in balance as, as we come together and we pray. And do you know what? I suspect that those prayer times when we're all gathered together are the highlights for many people uh, as opposed to those times where you're on your own. Now, for some people, they will be real powerful and important times, and they are. It's important to pray by yourself, but do you know what? It's also so important for us to pray together. And here's a great example. You know, they're, they're not scattered by themselves, but actually they're together praying. You know what, in this season, it's been difficult and you might have found this year a real struggle. And if you have, I'm not surprised because we're meant to be a gathered people, a body where one part strengthens the other, where the gifts flow. And you can't do this alone. Christianity is not a single player sport. It's a team. It's a team thing. And, you know, and so for some of us, we would have really struggled um, from being separated and and struggled to feel God's presence. Do you know what? But we can still pray. It might be on Zoom. Okay, for now, but there's a time is coming where we'll be able to gather together and it's so important that we do that. For, for others of us though, the very idea of gathering together can be really daunting. It can be quite a, a daunting prospect and we can feel nervous about it, about meeting together again. And I just want to say, do you know what, that's okay. So much grace and patience. You know, you might be feeling over, overwhelmed by the prospect and do you know what, that's just okay. And there's no pressure or rush and you can take your steps to, to come back as you feel fit. That's okay. There's no rush. But I am expecting that as we do that, as we start to gather, that God will move in power through his Holy Spirit and he will speak to us. And I'm looking forward to that day. And when, that, when they come, when those first few Sundays come when we meet together again, for some it's going to be overwhelming and for others it might feel underwhelming. And it's just important that we have grace for one another. But I do expect that God will speak. And do you know what? God has already started to speak already. He's already started to stir people up. Just this week, I got a, an email through from Andy Bazir, who um, has felt God speaking to him. And he just drew this picture because he just feels God igniting uh, us by his spirit 
and, and he shared it with my son, so I'm just sharing it with you now, so that you can see, do you know what, actually God wants to speak to us, because we're a royal priesthood, we're a holy nation, and, and he wants to bring the whole body together, and we want to hear from, from all of us, it's not just from the, from the leaders, and so it's so good to see this picture, thank you Andy for, for painting it and drawing it for us, because it just stirs us again, and gives us an expectation and excitement of all that God might do through his Holy Spirit as we prepare to gather again. So I just want to ask, what is God saying to you? What is your commitment like to prayer? When, when, you're, when you are uh, gathering to pray, when you're taking time, what is God saying to you? What, what can you share? What can you contribute? What's your commitment like to our Zoom prayer meetings? You know, we've got one tonight, half past seven, as we pray for Paul and Joe. And I know it's a bank holiday weekend and it's not great timing, but come, it's half an hour. Come and pray as we, as we seek God for them and for others in our church. And we, and we, we, we wait on God to, for him to come and pour out his spirit. At home with our family on Sundays, we can always come. We can, we can do that and pray, pray together and be a praying people. So let's, let's prepare our hearts, shall we, over these, over these weeks, over these months to, to get ready to come and gather again together. At the beginning, I asked you this question. What do you think of church? What's your thoughts of church? I just want to encourage you that the church is the people of God and um, the people they know, they seek and they're filled with God's presence of his holy, of his promised Holy Spirit. They love God. They trust him. They receive his power, um, not just in our meetings to have a glorious holy time, but to go out and be witnesses, to put that power into action everywhere they go. And they're constantly seeking God in prayers, trusting in promises, calling on his power, seeking God in prayer. This is what God's calling us as Hope Church to be like. And this is what I'd love to pray for. So why don't you pray with me as we close? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for uh, the early church. Thank you, Lord God, that in many ways we can see the similarities with us today. And I pray, Lord God, that with all the different uh, emotions and feelings that we have as a body across our church, that you would yeah, ignite us with your spirit's power, that you would fill us, that you would help us to uh, be uh, passionate and convinced, Lord God, that you are able to move in power today through us, through your people. Thank you, Lord God, that you are committed to your mission, to seeing your gospels uh, go throughout the world. Lord, we know there's many nations that still haven't seen or heard about you, and I thank you for those who, who are on the journey to going out there, Lord. We, we pray with them, we stand with them, we support them, but we also know, Lord God, there's a great work to do here where we live, here in Guildford. And I pray, Lord God, that you would fill us with your presence. Help us, Lord God, to be bold and courageous witnesses for your name, that you would help us, Lord God, to, to, to be eager, to expect you to fill us, to, to come before you, to ask you, to seek you, Lord God, for your power to be made manifest in our lives, that we might share the good news and all that it means to be a people that are saved by grace, that are loved by you, that, that can trust you and know you and follow you, that, that know that you are with us, that you'll never leave us or forsake you. And so we're just asking you, Lord God, to fill us with your spirit once again. Empower us, I pray, to be to to do to continue the work that you began uh, many years ago. In your heavenly name, Amen. Thanks for listening. 
We're meeting online every Sunday at 10am. Head to hopechurchguildford.com for more information. We look forward to seeing you.